Our text today is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. We continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? There's a cooking show on television some of you are familiar with, Good Eats with Alton Brown, and he's got a phrase he repeats uh, regularly, and that is, your patience will be rewarded. What he means by that is you have to put this recipe together and then stick it in the refrigerator for an hour or maybe overnight, Um, and he's saying, don't rush it, your patience will be rewarded. What we find from our text today is Jesus is saying for us, in terms of our persistent, enthusiastic prayer, that it will be rewarded, that it's worth it to go to your Father in heaven and pray. Now, why is it effective? Why is it worth it? Because God loves to give good things to his children when they ask. So pray with huspah. Pray with enthusiasm because God delights in hearing your prayers, hearing your requests, and answering them. We see again Matthew 7, 9, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? It's about the nature of God. It's why we go to God and we ask him for things. And Jesus uses the principle of lesser to greater. He, he says, let's look at earthly parents. Earthly parents, he says, are evil. Now, that may be speaking of the pervasive depravity that everybody has or Maybe Jesus is saying, even in the best of situations, parents are far from perfect. And you parents uh, know what I'm talking about. You might be relatively good parents, but you get frustrated. You get um, you get perturbed. uh, And sometimes you're just downright selfish. Right. You don't want your kids nagging you time and time and time again. So he says, uh, what parent, you know, if if a father, a son asks a father, a child asks a parent, for a bread, will they play a joke on the child and, um, and actually give them a stone? In that region, evidently, there were, there were round stones, uh, large round stones that looked like loaves, basically the same shape. So Jesus is saying, uh, you know, what parent is actually going to give a stone as a joke to their child, three-year-old, asking for bread. They won't do that. What parent will, when their child asks for a fish, give them a dangerous, possibly even a poisonous snake? Now, they're not going to do that. Um, even, even parents that aren't particularly good. Now, at the first service, after the service was over, a church member, uh, who will go nameless, said that when he was a child, 
his dad came home from work one day and he saw a rattlesnake on the road and ran over it, a big rattlesnake, and he threw it in the back of his car and he uh, went home and he talked to his son and said, son, uh, would you go out to the car? I've got, I left my briefcase in the car. Would you go get it? He opened the door and there was this big old rattlesnake there, of course, dead. But uh, so he was saying, sometimes parents, they don't give live rattlesnakes. They don't give live poisonous snakes, but they do play a joke on you. So parents are going to give good things to their children when they ask. Well, your father in heaven is perfect. He's perfectly patient. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly able. And he's never selfish. We began to learn of the nature of our Father in heaven and how it relates to prayer back in our study on Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. We have a heavenly father. He knows what we need. And he is not unwilling to answer our prayers. And we're just to go to him and ask him like a father. We should have enthusiasm in our prayers as a result. Martin Luther, the reformer, uh, likens it prayer to, he, he says he wishes he could be like a dog at the dinner table. You know, the folks are seated at the table looking at the meat and In his table talk, these were a a series of his sayings and his teachings that were collected for the most part from what he said seated around the the dinner table. And you you can imagine him saying this. He said, oh, if I could only pray the way this dog watches the meat. All his thoughts are concentrated on the piece of meat. He has no other thought, wish, or hope. He's singularly focused on that food. My father, who passed away in spring, uh, was adored by dogs. And uh, the reason is not hard to figure out. We would come for family vacations. Uh, He, uh, my mom, my sisters, uh, we would all come together. We'd all bring our dogs, you know, lots of dogs. We all had them. And they would congregate around my father at the dinner table, sometimes under the dinner table, because they knew that if they knocked, the door would be open. If they sought, they would find the food that he would sneak down to them. And so we have a father who is enthusiastic about giving to you when you ask. And we should have that same enthusiasm in asking him for good things. Now, if that's true, why don't we get everything we ask for? Let me pause at this point to say in the commentaries, as we got to this particular point, uh, the the Christian biblical commentaries listed qualification after qualification after qualification, what you must do in order to receive from God. And you've heard the expression death by a thousand paper cuts. This is sort of death of the principle of God's enthusiasm by a thousand qualifications. So I'm going to return back to the big picture application here um, in a minute, but I do want to look at a few of these qualifications, a few of these things that we should keep in mind when we go to the Lord in prayer. So the first is this, that God is going to give you what is good. He's not going to answer your request 
to give you something bad. If you ask for a snake instead of a fish, he's not going to give that to you. If you ask for a stone instead of bread, he's not going to give that to you. My wife Susan, when she was a child, asked her parents for a pony on numerous occasions, and she did not understand why she could not have a pony. Uh, She reasoned with them. They had a large backyard. There's no reason why they didn't have the room for a pony. But of course, parents know things about zoning ordinances, um, the difficulty of cleanup, things like that. And so she did not get her pony. Um, And sometimes we don't get what we ask for because it wouldn't be good for us to receive it. Secondly, We are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We spoke of that when we covered Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, which says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So this is how we pray, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray, what? Give us this day our daily bread. So we first seek first his kingdom and his righteousness in prayer. And then we understand that God is delighted to give us the other things that we need, practical things we need for our life after that. Seek first his righteousness. I remember Heath spoke last Sunday from our text. Um, the, the text related to judge not lest you be judged. And he talked about how that's a difficult application. It was difficult for him, difficult for us uh, not to have a judgmental spirit. And I mentioned a week or two prior to that about worry. And I I confess that I have to preach to myself about trusting God and not being anxious and not worrying. And I was, uh, again, reminded of Heath's sermon this week when Scotty Smith, Scotty Smith is a a preacher. He's been to our Bible conference several, several years ago, and he sends out a text every day. I get this text, and it's sort of a little mini devotional, and it was on Philippians 4 or 5. It says, our Uh, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And he says, by contrast, uh, our gentleness should be evident to all, not our righteousness, uptightness, snarkiness, or fearfulness. It was a good reminder. What is evident to all in my life and in your life? It was a challenge. It was a challenge to righteousness. James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says, Your You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God is not going to answer your prayer if your prayer is a request to violate the Tenth Commandment on covenant. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you seek first his righteousness? Do you pray, God, whatever you do, get rid of this particular besetting sin in my life. Whatever you do, bring this righteousness in my life. Whatever it takes. Now that's a dangerous prayer. 
It's an important prayer, but it's a dangerous prayer because it means that some of your other requests are probably not going to be answered by God. And there will be difficulty that he'll bring to your life because the Lord disciplines the child that he loves. And he will, he will answer that prayer request as we seek first his righteousness. Thirdly, faith is necessary for answered prayer. Again, from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And then Hebrews eleven six says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, that means you've got the qualifications, right? So as you go to the Lord in prayer, you know those three qualifications. And when the Lord doesn't answer your prayers, then that makes it easy, right? No problem. Now I know. No, it's not easy. When, when we pray to the Lord, there are times when we pray, when you pray, when I pray, and we say, Lord, I'm praying for a good thing. I'm praying for somebody's healing and they're not being healed. I'm praying, as I have, that the, the coronavirus pandemic would come to a close quickly, swiftly. It's been six months. The Lord didn't answer it quickly. We're praying that he will answer it. We continue to pray that. But that seemed like a good prayer, right? Um, we've prayed and continue to pray for our church building that it would be reconstructed. We've got a roof on it. We're making progress. But, I mean, I would personally have loved to have been back in the building by now. But the Lord continues to give grace, continues to answer that prayer. So we pray for things, and we don't always get them. And it can be difficult because we don't understand many times what's going on. We find many of these prayers in the Psalms. Here's just an example. Psalm 69, starting with verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me. Those who attack me with lies. And our primary example of that is Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And on the cross, Jesus quoted from Psalm 22 when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The author of Hebrews deals with these prayers Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. This reality reminds me of a hymn whose lyrics were written in the 1700s, and it goes like this, Did Christ over sinners weep, and shall our cheeks be dry? Christ wept, Shall we not weep as well? 
The author of Hebrews says that Christ's prayers were ultimately answered. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. The Lord, the Father did not answer his prayer. The cup did not pass from him, but he did answer his prayer. Uh, He did not forsake him. He did not leave his Holy One, his Righteous One, his Son in the grave, but he was resurrected in answer to Jesus' prayer. As we come to these passages here, these verses in Matthew about prayer, these are, these are steroids for our faith. These are meant to bolster our faith, to encourage us to go to God in prayer and to believe that he delights in answering our prayers. And let me just say, there are complexities when it comes to prayer, right? God's sovereignty, God's completely in control, And yet we pray and he uses our prayers and how does this work together? And, uh, you know, we pray for good things. Why doesn't he answer our prayers when we think they're good things? There there are many mysteries and complexities to prayer. In fact, if if you want to get together with me over a cup of coffee, we can take a couple of hours and dissect it. And I can give you books on philosophers and theologians that grapple with it. I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to delve into these mysteries. But what I'm saying is, in the passage today, let's not make this too complicated. Let's not overcomplicate this. And let's look at what Jesus is saying. Why did he not answer your prayer request? I can't tell you that, but I can tell you this, that it's not because he lacks enthusiasm in responding to your ask. Why did God not answer your prayer? Why doesn't he always answer your prayer? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I don't always know anyway. Could have some hunches. But I can tell you for sure. It's, it's not because God lacks enthusiasm to answer your prayers. That's the most important thing from our passage today. You know, the people of God always have struggled with that. Back in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah addressed it. In Isaiah 49, verses 14 and 15. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. That's what God says. So ask, seek, knock. It will be given to you. We should be confident that God delights to hear and answer his children. And we come to him in the middle of all that we have going on in our lives personally, all that we have going on in our society today. Um, It's insanity. I want you to listen to the words of, again, Martin Luther, the great reformer. And he said this, the world is insane. It tries to get rid of its insanity by the use of wisdom and reason, and it looks for many ways and means for all sorts of help and advice on how to escape this distress. But the shortest and surest way is to go into a little room or a corner and there to open your heart and pour it out before God, filled with complaints and sighs, but also with confidence and trust that as your faithful Heavenly Father, He wants to give you His help and advice in this distress. God is a cheerful giver to his children. 
So here's the foundational question. Are you a child of God? He loves to give to his children, but not everyone is a child of God. Jesus said these words to an assembled crowd before him. If God were your father, you would love me. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, makes this statement about how we are the children of God. This is a long quote, but it's worth reading. What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. But cannot that be said of every person, Christian or not? Emphatically, no. The idea that all are children of God is not found in the Bible anywhere. The Old Testament shows God as the father, not of all, but of his own people, the seed of Abraham. Israel is my firstborn son. Let my son go. Exodus 4, 22 through 23. The New Testament has a world vision, but it too shows God as the father, not of all, but of those who, knowing themselves to be sinners, put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their divine sin bearer and master And so become Abraham's spiritual seed. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Sonship to God is not therefore a universal status into which everyone enters by natural birth, but a supernatural gift which one receives through receiving Jesus. No one comes to the Father Except through me, said Jesus Christ. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith and be adopted into the family of God. We come to him, we admit that we're sinners, we're children of the devil. The evidence of that is our sin, our rebellion against God. You may never have thought of it in those terms. It's not just a a violation of some subjective standard or some arbitrary standard, but the will of God that we violate when we break his commands and we demonstrate that we need a savior. We need to be forgiven of our sins. We need to have a restored relationship with God. We need to be made right with him. And that happens through the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ who came here to pay the penalty on the cross for your sins that you might be forgiven and to grant you eternal life and adoption into the family of God and reconciliation with him and to experience what it means to have a father who delights to answer your prayers and to listen to you. And so come to him in faith if you've never done that. It can happen today simply by repenting, confessing your sins, and trusting in what Christ offers in his life and in his death. Which in just a few minutes we're going to commemorate that through the Lord's Supper. If you have come to faith in him today or at some point previous and you know what it means to be adopted into the family of God, pray boldly because he loves to give to his people in response to the prayer. 
Even sometimes, uh, even sometimes ponies, I believe, because God is not bound uh, as our parents are by the constraints of what's going on in uh, the confines of, say, Panama City's city council, or he's not particularly put off by the necessities of cleanup. He knows how to answer those prayers and those needs. So come to him. Pray boldly, pray for his kingdom, pray for his righteousness, uh, pray with audacity that the Lord would do great things in this world, in our church, in your lives, um, and, uh, and pray to him because he delights to hear as you come to him in prayer and answer those prayers. Father, we thank you for this truth from scripture that is so encouraging. We know that you are able and we are not able that you are strong and that we are weak and that we pray that as we come to you with our prayer requests that you would receive glory in our weakness that your sufficiency and your provision may be the may result in much praise and glory for you we pray all these things in Jesus name amen